ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You know how much we love to share our favorite books with you here on the podcast. We all love to cozy up with a book and a cup of tea, but the truth is, we're always on the go. That is the absolute truth. And audiobooks have been a really incredible way to keep up with our reading while doing lots of other things in our lives. So driving the kids to school, hiking, taking trips to the dog park, or most importantly, folding laundry. I do not like to waste my time. So listening to an audiobook while I fold laundry makes me feel like I'm doing something important. Sandy, what are you listening to these days? Right now, I am absolutely loving Americana, which is a novel by Chimananda Ngozi Adichie. She was the one who wrote We Should All Be Feminists. That's where I was introduced to her, and I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. And you? I am also reading a novel right now, The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. And if you have not read this book yet or seen it all over the internet and all over the bookstore, you should definitely download it. It's amazing. You can get The Female Persuasion or Americana or a different audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 75, Sustainability. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. So we're going to talk to you today about sustainability as it relates to entrepreneurship and business. Now, sustainable business is kind of a hot concept. A lot of companies position themselves as green or as environmental, and environmentalism is one part of this equation. We want to sort of back up and talk about what is sustainability, and then we want to talk to you today about how it relates to you as an entrepreneur and as a small business owner, and what you can do moving forward to make sure that you're both playing a positive role in the world with your business, but also protecting your business for the long haul so that it's there to nurture you and sustain you over time. Yeah, so to start with, Jenny, um, you wanted to share an example to kind of set the stage from your environmental work. Yeah, like I first wanted to start by defining sustainability. So sustainability as a word comes from Latin sustenere. And so tenere means to hold and um, sub means under. So sustain can mean to maintain, to support, to endure. So if you think about the concept of sustainability as it relates to your business, you want to think about building something that's made to last and endure over time. So something that has a really solid foundation, but also has the flexibility to adapt to changing circumstances as you grow and evolve and as the economy changes. Um, And I think that's what we all want, right? Like there's this idea we're sold 
especially with internet business, that it's sort of like a quick fix, that you can make money fast, that it doesn't take a lot of investment to start up. And a lot of that is true, relatively speaking, um, compared to opening a brick and mortar business. But I don't think that's the only thing that we're really looking for if we self-reflect and think about it for more than about two seconds, right? Like we're all looking to put our time and energy and thinking and magic into something that's going to produce for us over time and that's something that we are proud of, right? And that has a legacy. Like I think if, if any of us really question what we're doing, my hope is that we would all want to create something that's meaningful and that's made to last. Right. And if that's not you, then we're probably not the podcast that's for right. you. But my goal in life is not to make the fastest money possible at whatever cost, and I'll do whatever it takes to make that money. That is not what drives me, and I know it's not what drives you. We are thinking in terms of a business that we can enjoy working in and feel like we do good, important work that, yes, will be profitable and will make money, but over the long term, like we want a sustainable and profitable business. Yeah, and think about all of the statistics around people who win the lottery, Right? Like, isn't it within two years they end up back at where they started? So they get this or depressed quick, on, on medication. Yeah. They get this quick hit of money and then they haven't sort of evolved enough as human right. beings to know what how to handle that and to work with it in a responsible way. And and I so I really wanna talk about entrepreneurship as this path or this journey that's sort of teaching you in a way how to work with money and resources. To me, entrepreneurship is so transformative because every, I feel like every quarter almost I'm becoming a new version of myself because of all the lessons I'm learning and how I'm growing as a human being, as a business owner. And, you know, you may not feel like this quite yet in your business, but I assure you, if you stick with it long enough, I think it's the journey of a lifetime. It's an incredibly transformational process and it's a way I think to better yourself as a human being if you're willing to be self-reflective and to learn and grow and adapt as you're building your business. So with that aside, Sandy, you were suggesting that I illustrate this sustainability concept with regard to the environmental movement. And there are a bazillion examples I could share with you <laughs> about how unsustainable businesses and the environment relate to one another. But the one that comes to mind that I think is the simplest to understand is just to think about something like if you are the owner of, let's say you're a tire company, and I know none of us are tire companies, so this won't offend anybody <laughs> listening. So say you're a tire company and you need a lot of rubber to make tires. And where does rubber come from? Rubber comes from the rubber tree, which grows in the rainforest. And so if your goal is to build a tire company, like one way, sort of a conventional way of thinking about this would be what is the most amount of land that I can acquire or borrow in order to extract the most rubber in order to make the most tires, right? One method of doing this would be to go into this, this situation, take all the money you have in, to invest in your business, buy as much land as you can where rubber trees grow, and then simply like slash and burn and extract the most amount of rubber as quickly as possible. And that's, in a lot of ways, the way conventional big business works. Um, and then you have a really good quarter or a really good year, and you sell a lot of tires because you had a lot of raw goods and materials. 
The question is then like what happens next year? Well, maybe you made so much money you could go out and buy 10 times as much land and do it the next year, right? But eventually you can see it takes decades um, and even hundreds of years in some cases for those forests to grow back and, and they may not grow back in the same way. So you're going to get to a point because the resources on the planet are finite where you're going to run out of rubber trees. And so you maybe had a really good ride for a little while and you maybe made a whole bunch of money, but you're going to run out of rubber. And I think this is a problem that is a really powerful metaphor to use for any kind of business where when you're dealing with finite resources, whether they're natural resources, like an environmental resource like rubber, or it's um, a more human resource, like your own time, and you get burnt out, like you can start to see the analogies and how this plays out in your own life and business. And we are of the mindset that there's another way, right? That you could start your tire company and you would have more modest goals for growth and profitability that are longer term, and so that you're only selectively choosing to harvest a certain number of trees per year for your tires, and then you have a plan in place to plant more as you're harvesting, so that you can see like with just this single first plot of land, you could successfully build, albeit a smaller tire company, but you could successfully build your company um, to last for generations. And those are two like very grossly oversimplified examples of how sustainability and business can relate to each other. As I've spent now five years in this online space and having come from that environmental space, I can start to see that we don't have these conversations enough at all with respect to online business. No, I think those are great examples. And the current mindset around business is all short term. And that's what I know just frustrates you to no end. And if you open up either of our inboxes, we're just assaulted with these claims that of, of, of quick money and quick growth, whether it is uh, sales or sales tactics or social media likes or statistics. I think, Jenny, for us, this really consumed us, these ideas, when we were exploring venture capital and going through the um, process of raising money. Through that process, when you were in the accelerator, through that process, we talked multiple times a day. And there was always this frustration that what you needed to present to raise money, what you needed to communicate to the potential investors was growth. All they cared about was how quickly will Nama's Dream grow? How quickly will it make money? What kind of money will it make? And how quickly will I get my money out? Yeah, well, okay, it wasn't even about money. Like that would have made sense. <laughs> it was it's users, users. It was users. And we've talked about the problems with using people as a proxy for money um, in terms of that being an exploitative practice. It was growth, but it's not just growth. Like I'm all for growth. If our company is not growing year over year, there's a problem. However, the kind of exponential growth is insane What when you're raising money as, um, as a business, right? So you're looking at like 100x growth as being what's appropriate, considered appropriate. And sure, anyone with, with like a decent business idea can achieve really fast growth for a little while, but at what cost? And I think that this growth paradigm is what's challenging for me. You know, we almost called this episode capitalism. Um, I've written extensively about capitalism and sustainability in the past, and I have a lot to say about that topic. 
But I don't actually think that this conversation is even about capitalism. It's about unyielding, unsustainable growth, really for growth's sake. Like when there's a reason to grow, if you say, okay, I want to grow by this percentage because this is going to allow us to achieve XYZ goal, which is really important to us, then that makes sense to me. But when you're saying I need to grow 100X this year because that's the standard in the startup environment and that's the only reason, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Because often what happens when you're prioritizing growth at the expense of everything else is that A, you burn out yourself and your team. B, you abandon your customer base or your user base because you're so focused on getting new people that you have terrible customer service and terrible attentiveness to your existing people. And C, you're not exploring the idea of building a real company because a growth-obsessed startup is nothing like a sustainable business or a business that's going to last 10, 20, 15, 30 years, whatever, however long you want to last. Like they're a different entity. They're run differently. Their goals are different. The like the work environment is different. And so I think what makes me uncomfortable is whenever I'm in an environment where growth is put up on a pedestal above all else and sort of unquestioned, um, there's usually a lot of fallout and externalized costs associated with that growth. And in the online space, it's not as obvious, right? Because a lot of a lot of people operating online are really small businesses or solopreneurs. They're not involved in this venture capital world. They're not really involved in this big business world like I was discussing with a rubber company, right, or the tire company where they're slashing and burning rainforests in the Amazon. Like most of us aren't involved in those kinds of things. And yet we still, I think, without meaning to, we still are controlled by this growth paradigm because that's the dominant conversation in our culture around business. And so what we want to do in this podcast is really ask you to pause and reflect on whether or not you're being driven by that paradigm and what you can do to ensure that you're building a company that's made to last and sustain over time and serve you and provide you know, fruitful resources for you over time, over the course of many months and years? Or are you hyper obsessed with growing um, without a real reason why? Just after we decided not to take funding and we decided to bootstrap our software company, I remember discovering, I think it was called the Tugboat Society, Tugboat. Yeah, something like that. And that was like the first time we were, well, for me, it was my first time really being exposed to that sort of bigger business that is focused on legacy. Their end goal was not to go public or to sell to a bigger company. Their goal, like to be part of that tugboat society, that's what we're going to call it, was simply to create something with meaning and longevity and a sustainability and we were like these are our people Mm -hmm. but it was such a a difference in philosophy compared to what we had been so deeply immersed in yeah absolutely and I I don't think that that concept is really novel I mean I think that the goal up until about a hundred years ago was to build a family business that you could pass on to your children 
and that it was something that would grow and provide for your family over generations. And that was considered success for a long time. And so I think that this whole idea of build something fast, have an exit, start something else, build it fast, have an exit, like this is a new thing. Like this is actually a novel concept and it's one that has come to define our culture for better or worse, I think for worse. We could have 50 podcast episodes on the startup culture and I think not be done ranting about it, Sandy. But I I don't think most of our community is involved in that space. What I'm really curious about is how does this sort of like current cultural dominant perspective impact you and your business? And one of the ways that we've seen this happen in, in our client base and with our community has been around the amount of time it takes to get up and running with a new business online. I think that there somehow is this idea, you know, that you start a new business on the internet and by month one, by the end of month one, you're at five or $10,000 a month. And, you know, we've only seen that happen a couple of times that we know of, you know, we don't know everyone's story, but I've only seen that happen very rarely. Usually that's a process that takes months to get to and sometimes years, depending on how much time and effort someone puts into it. But I think that there's this really false sense of what is standard in terms of growth and in terms of like monetary success right away. Starting an internet-based business is really not that different than starting any other kind of business or than starting a garden. (laughs) Like you plant the seeds, you water them, you don't see a whole lot for a while, but you still have to show up every day and provide for what you've planted. And then after doing that for a period of time, usually a few months, you start to see the vegetables sprout up out of the ground and within, you know, a few months you've really got a vibrant garden growing. But it takes the trusting that those seeds are going to pop up. It takes takes watering them, you know, day after day after day and not seeing it. Like there's an element of trust and commitment that goes into that process. I think that's another great example. I feel like there's been a shift with the existence of online businesses. When I had brick and mortar, I mean, nobody would expect to open up a clinic or a retail store or any kind of physical establishment and expect in month one to be profitable. It just doesn't make sense. You have to do the groundwork. I mean, we had a enormous line of credit initially, and you operate in that line of credit until sometimes years later that you start to be profitable. But for some reason, this internet culture is doesn't talk like that. It's, you know, make $5,000 next month. And the people that we have seen specifically on Namastream who are out of the gate monetarily successful, they planted those seeds months, if not years ago, because they did so much work developing a following and, you know, working, you know, email list building and in-person work and gaining a reputation and a following. So when they did turn the online business on, they could be profitable very, very quickly. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think it's a really good point for people to understand. We're kind of giving you a sense of, of how not to think or what not to do, but the alternative is actually like quite lovely to consider. 
I've just started a new business like with my daughter, which we can have another, we can have a podcast at some point where we can talk about, but it's a maker slash physical product business and it's tiny and it's really intended to teach her entrepreneurship and to get to, for me to explore some creative hobbies for lack of a better term. Um, but it's, it's really interesting because like I just understand that starting a new project, a new business requires startup costs. Like that's normal. And for me, like in order to start the business I've started, it was thousands of dollars of investment. And I don't do that with some like, oh my God, am I going to make this back? You know, when we have our first sort of live market, like, no, I don't think that. Like, that's not how the world works. Like, I had to buy equipment and invest in, like, huge bulk supplies of, like, glassware and labels, like, get things designed. And, you know, that's part of the investment in starting a company. And it's making money and it's really fun and it's, it's, like, an amazing process to start something new again. But I also had no sensibility that that was going to be something I didn't really have to spend any money on and that I would be profitable like week one or month one or even summer one because it's largely like a summer-based business. And so I, I think if you go into entrepreneurship and online business with a realistic sense of what's involved, um, I don't think you have to have all of this pressure on yourself to be like, grow quick, grow quick, profitability right now because like, to be honest, if you're so hyper-focused on what you're going to do this week or this month in terms of sales, chances are you're not actually laying the groundwork that's going to allow you to have something that's like fruitful six or 12 or 18 months from now. And I would love it if you could be in the position to be able to have that because that feels awesome. If you don't have that pressure on yourself in month one, in month two, or even month three, you can really invest in the long-term kind of processes and systems that are going to make you successful in month six and month 12, like way beyond what you would be if you were just like hyper-focused on growth from day one. And I think it's helpful to ask yourself, what does success mean? Like if we if we talk about having this beautiful, sustainable business that is your work, how do you define what success means for you? Because I think we're asking people to look beyond the numbers and look beyond this sort of short term, am I in the red or am I in the black this month? Like what in the big picture, what does success mean to you? Yeah. And I think the numbers are important, but the longer term numbers are way more important than the shorter term numbers. There are so many times where if, if and, and we were, to be honest, often hyper-focused on month-to-month goals. And we, we always, like, I feel like we've loosened up on it lately, Sandy, but often we've been like, oh my God, we have this goal for this month. And if, if we're so focused on that, we don't allow ourselves to see like, wow, this has been a really good year. And actually, mm-hmm. we're going to surpass our yearly goal. You should start to think about like at what sense t- temporally does it make sense for you to focus? Like in my mind, I would like to see each of you thinking about a two-year plan and a one-year plan and then working backwards from there in order to plan out your quarters and your months. Because if you're thinking short, like daily to weekly to monthly from here forward, you're just simply not going to have 
the planning in place to have longer term success. Like it just doesn't work like that. I know because I, I, you know, I started this company without understanding long-term planning. So, you know, I'm five years into business now and I've learned some things. I still have a lot to learn, but I've started this newer project with my daughter in a totally different way than I had started Namastream. And because I've learned a lot, I will just say this, our clients who join our annual plan or who work with us as bespoke clients or who sort of take a bigger commitment on from the beginning, those clients typically find significantly more success than clients who come on to work with us on a month-to-month basis. I think part of that is that, you know, um, they have the time and resources to invest and they've made a choice that they're in it for the long haul. I think that's a big part of it. The other part of it, I think, is is a mindset. Oh, like there's a mindset tactic associated with just saying, I'm in it for a year or I'm in it for two years. Here I am. What do I need to do to be successful? And sort of being open to advice, to mentorship, to the universe, to whatever you want to call it in order to achieve that longer term goal. I agree that the people that join month to month, it's so easy to quit month to month, yeah. right? Like it's it's just like, ah, I'll just give up. It, when you have hit that dip or when something doesn't go your way or it's not what you expected or there's some frustration or, or whatever it may be. But I love it when people join with our annual or our bespoke or our inner circle packages and they are in yeah. it and there's so much more commitment and it, it's a little bit of I got I have more skin in the game but I know that those people and th- there's room if they need to back off a little bit for private family whatever something going on in their life yeah they can take three months and yeah. sort of know that they're going to come right. back right? exactly because the money's gone the money's paid it they're doing it and then they can kind of ebb and flow as as life dictates but the monthly yeah it's so easy just to uh, forget it. So absolutely, our annual plans, those people succeed much more. Also, I see that too, when people are month to month, and then they upgrade to annual too. That's like a, there's like a psychological Mm -hmm. shift that happens there too. We love it when people do that. But I also think that it's a really significant benefit to, to them as a business owner to make that kind of commitment. And whether it's, you know, to our platform or to another tool when when as a business you sign up for those kind of annual plans versus monthly i think that a shift happens subconsciously where you take your business more seriously and you know one other way that we've seen this issue present itself in the startup world has to do with i think google came up with this idea for sprints i might have that all wrong but there's this whole idea of a sprint where a group of people who are working on a particular project have a really fast pace deadline to get something done and they're working collaboratively to do it and I think that this sort of like sprint idea has like taken over our culture as well like there's this whole idea that we're gonna push 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 and we're gonna get like a whole lot accomplished really fast and I think that you know as a single isolated episode that can work really well but when you embrace it as a culture where everyone is always in a sprint continuously whether you are employed or you are an entrepreneur it just seems like everyone is always like hurrying to finish something to release something to get something done and then on to the next i think that that behavior is not only unhelpful from a personal health perspective, but I also think it's not useful to run a business like that long-term. And 
So I think that there are other danger or lack of sustainability, like beyond like the way at the mindset issue that we see presenting itself with, with our community has to do with burnout. And we want you to be in this business for the long haul. And you can't do that if you're working yourself to death. And so you need to figure out, you know, we're all about the hustle. We're all about working hard. Sandy and I, I think, I, I mean, I could never imagine you, you know, I would never want you to work any harder than you are, Sandy. And I imagine vice versa. Like we take our work very seriously, but we also really encourage each other and take time for ourselves to have balance. And I think self-care, you know, is it's like underrated, right? So many of you listening are, are sort of in the health and wellness sector because that, that's, you know, who we reach a lot in a lot of ways. But so you know this, but I, I think it bears repeating that your business is, especially if you're a solopreneur, your business is only as healthy as you are. Yeah. And I would use that as part of my personal definition of success is the ability to take care of myself, yeah. right? Like, because it's so easy to get trapped in that to think that you're going to do more, do better if you just are always in the race. And I think that we start new businesses. Um, while I can speak for myself, I left my other business to create a different life that I could take care of myself in a different way because with a brick and mortar, just the hours and staff and so on, it was very, very difficult. So that is part of my, the way I define success. Absolutely, that you're not sustainable if you are always broken and tired. Yeah, and so we want to leave you with just a few questions. Sandy started to, to pose these to you earlier in the, in the podcast, but we would love it if you would get out your journal when you're done listening and just really take a few minutes to contemplate these questions. So the first one is what is success to you? And the second one is what do you want your legacy to be with respect to your current business? And I think we don't ask ourselves those questions enough. Um, and I, you might be surprised by your answer. So this legacy question haunts me. Like I, I haven't narrowed in on my answer to it yet like but I think about it and I reflect on it and I play with this question and I think the fact that that I'm engaged with it there's always like a part of my psyche that's wrestling with this and so when something when I have a bad day or you know something in our software isn't working properly or you know we have I don't know, we don't meet our numbers or like whenever there's a bad moment, because every business has those, like you have to balance it with the good ones. But when I have those, I don't fall into some self-sabotage trap of I'm a failure because I have my mind on this idea of like, what is my legacy for this company? And it's always got one sort of one eye towards this bigger picture. And I, I really think that's important. Absolutely. So yeah. Long-term thinking, long-term thinking. Yeah, and feel free to share your responses with us too. You know, you can always go into our Facebook group and share your responses there, facebook.com slash soulfulmba, or, you know, just send us a note to team at namashroom.com if you ever want to reflect. Okay, should we dive into The Joy and Hustle? Yes, we should. The Joy is my new favorite book that I carry with me around the house because I'm just I just love it so much. It is called High Vibrational Beauty. The authors are Carolyn Palmer and Cindy DePrima Maurice. It is a book about beauty from the inside out. It is full of gorgeous recipes, uh, vegan, and 
the photography, the writing, the ideas, the rituals, it's it's divided into um, seasons, which I always love. I actually, Jenny, haven't even looked at the summer, like the rest, wow. like it's spring right now when we're recording this. I have not looked at anything else. I just want to be in spring. I read the beginning in spring, and I'm going to save each season as they come upon us. Nice. So I am just in love with this book. And I also have this book because you told me I, made I her. need to buy it. So it's on my bedside, <laughs> and I read it in one sitting, which is the difference between you and I. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's there as a reference on my bedside table and I'm looking forward to making some recipes this weekend from the book. Okay, and then our hustle for this week is the Overcast app. So as much as we would love and appreciate a rating and review on iTunes, we are kind of irritated constantly by that app on our mobile devices. So the podcast app that goes along with the iTunes store and um, we've been playing around with other apps. And Overcast, I know some of you are listening on Overcast because we can tell from our analytics. We're like, huh, what is this thing that everyone's listening on? So we both downloaded Overcast app to our iPhones and we're loving it. It's such a simple player. It's clear, it's easy to use, it's easy to find shows or episodes that you've heard about and are looking for. So if you are also a fellow listener who's frustrated by the podcast app from the iTunes store, we recommend Overcast. It's a totally free app. We are all about efficiency and productivity. And in the Make Room for Magic course, if you've gone through that, you will hear me constantly say like minutes matter. And the podcast app just drove me crazy. I could never figure my way around it. I was always like, you know, repeating the same actions and getting nowhere and can't find this podcast or how do I get the latest episode? constant frustration. And then when I opened up the Overcast app, it's just perfectly clear, completely intuitive. And I just find what I want to listen to and hit play and no more messing about. So yeah, definitely check it yeah. out. And I even like the font. I think they use one of our same fonts. So you, <laughs> there you have it. It's all on brand, folks. Well, this has been fun. I hope that you take sustainability seriously in your business like we do. And we will see you on Wednesday for an Office Hours episode. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.